0: Hey, good morning. You are listening to Breakfast Bites, and I am Felicia King, and today, Tom Dean from Consulting Ventures is back to talk with us about part two of the two-part series on threats to mobile devices and through mobile devices. Now, Tom was just telling me this uh, fascinating story about a new feature that he discovered in Apple devices, Find My Network over Bluetooth, so why don't you fill us in on that?
1: Sure, Felicia. Uh, The Apple feature that you're referencing is fairly recent. And usually when Apple introduces it, usually Android is not far behind and vice versa. You know, if Android usually, unless it's patented, they, they usually jump on board. So it's called Find My Network now, not to be confused with Find My iPhone or Find My Device. That's been around for, you know, quite a while. So this Find My Network is a feature you have to turn on in the iPhone. And it is a Bluetooth-based feature, and uh, it, the reason it was interesting to me is if you have a lost device, and it also relates to stolen devices as well. But in the past, if with Find My, if your if your device is powered down or you know runs out of battery, you usually will typically s- s- send last location is another option that. A lot of people will turn on, so you'll get a final location. It's now it's powered down. You'll never get a location update. So with with the find Apple Find My network, it now has the ability for about a week or two to continue to ping um, its location when it's powered down. And that that's because it can, if you have that feature turned on, it will be picked up by other uh, Apple devices that might. Be in that area. So if if you're out in the middle of the Amazon forest, obviously it'll, you'll never hear from it again. If you are in a typical, more populated area, then you know you'll start to get location updates for a couple of weeks. So pretty nice feature. Uh, obviously, there's a privacy consideration there, but you know you're already your device is already pinging a lot of Wi-Fi towers constantly. Um, although Apple has done some IP randomization which you know is really helpful on that so for privacy but in any case I thought that was interesting it is something that's relatively new I think it was introduced here a couple of months ago in the case of a stolen device you know that could help you as well where usually um, if a device is stolen it'll be powered down fairly quickly the sim card will be popped out and it'll be trying to you know they'll try to stop it from sending location until they can get it to a a safe safe house or something where they can start working it over so
0: and yeah you mentioned you'd seen quite a lot where they were immediately you know powering it down popping out sim card and basically putting it in a faraday bag so that it couldn't talk to anything
1: yeah that's something that's been in the news just i've never obviously i've never seen it but i'm just watching the The media in terms of risk management, you know, a lot of reporting about um, music festivals where, you know, crews have been, you know, Lollapalooza in Chicago and and things of that nature where there have been just a huge quantity almost harvesting um, phones, you know, and it's it's a risk, um, not a business risk necessarily. But, you know, these things can happen during business travel and, and that sort of thing as well. So.
0: You know, it's interesting you were t- talking about this thing and it made me remember a piece of technology that Milwaukee Tool has where they have a, I believe it's a subscription that like a business could could have and the business could have their tools. Um, they're effectively
1: have communicating seen with I have each seen other. that and I'm not up to speed on it, but I understand it looked like it was for If I remember right, inventory management, and also it might even report back charge status on the batteries and things like that that will help, you know, productivity and efficiency.
0: Well, it was also designed for anti-theft situations.
1: Okay. That interesting. That
0: yeah, the idea was also that if your tool gets stolen, then as soon as it gets in the vicinity of some other Milwaukee tool that you know no, has very that bit, similar yeah yeah it's like basically the same thing and I'm pretty sure they were using Bluetooth for that as well uh, some other things that this made me think about was you know people for quite a while now at least I, I think people who are paying attention to these matters have been very well aware that when the mobile phone is shut down well it's not really shut down <laughs> You know, I mean, the, it, it could be, it could have programming, that it can still do these things. And I mean, clearly in this context, it does, which is why if an individual is actually seeking to have really true privacy, probably what they ought to do is leave the phone at home and go out into a forest.
1: There you, <laughs> you go. Know, and,
0: You know, and have a conversation with a human without any technology around. You know, there's there There are some
1: privacy, there are some privacy extremes that can be gone to. There's there's a whole podcast on that, I believe. So I (laughs) I personally am not willing to do the work for that, but um, I admire the the uh, creative ways that people are trying to gain more privacy.
0: Yeah, I saw a, I watched a documentary recently of people who are very, very EMF sensitive. It was fascinating. I mean, obviously what they go through is completely horrible, but I was fascinated by the inventiveness that they have done in order to be able to still actually use technology. So there's now... Uh, They're basically like sound tubes that project the sound from uh, like an, an earbud up into your ear. So then that person does not need to have any sort of cables in their ear or any sort of, you know, electronic EMF emitting device in their ear. And some people have a touch -touch sensitivity. It's apparently like even a DNA related thing. There's been some science now discovered that, you know, this EMF sensitivity is absolutely not in people's head, uh, that there is definitely scientific proof of cellular changes in these people's bodies when they are, you know, exposed to varying degrees of of EMF. And uh, this one lady I saw, she had a cell phone and the way that she was able to function with it is that she didn't hold on to it and she used a Bic pen. So, you know, plastic to basically like hold the kind of microphone on the wired earbud set out in front of her face so that her caller that she was on the call with could actually hear her effectively and then in terms of making it so that she could hear the caller she had one of those um, sound tubes sort of thing so uh,
1: i see and, and it sounds like they're making a lot of advances in people that have different um issues physical or hearing issues or the the amount of interfaces that they're coming up with for that is is amazing
0: Yeah, it makes me think also of some of the latest changes that uh, I think it was Department of Labor has put out with regards to accessibility, uh, like the latest and greatest accessibility regulations with regards to uh, technology. Yeah, it's a moving target, it's a moving dynamic target. I'm just glad that there's more recognition that these things are actually, you know, legitimate issues that people have, and it's not just some, you know, thing that, somebody's making up in their head. Well, where okay. we left off on the last uh, time we met about this topic is we were still on the topic of segmentation strategies. And segmentation strategies, I think from our perspective, just to make sure that the, our listeners are on the same page, is how do you not put all of your eggs in one basket? And if you have your password manager and all of your passwords on your mobile phone and the thing that you use to unlock the password manager is like the pin code for the phone well that would be super bad <laughs> yeah. yes. and you know it the, the concept that says one key unlocks everything is super bad and we can take that into the business world in terms of single sign on there's a, a gentleman that i know who used to run an it services business and they had something like 10,000 endpoints under management, right? So they were very, very, very large in terms of what they managed. And he was telling me that they basically had something that he characterized as SSO hell. So single sign on hell. And the reason he called it SSO hell was because it had a significant tax associated with it. And that SSO tax was that it at the point in time that an organization gets so large that they have so many user onboardings and offboardings on a weekly basis, you right. you do you do really want to try to streamline access provisionment and more importantly, the removal of access. And the I can certainly attest to the fact that. Single sign-on can, if somebody compromises the single sign-on identity, well, you know, hot doggy, you're into all kinds of other things like, you know, some greased lightning, and so that you know that's a danger. So if they're not correctly securing all of those devices and then or those those systems that SSO is being used to access, uh, that can really create some. Very rapidly propagating chaos in an environment.
1: <laughs> no doubt, and-, and it really translates to the phone exactly. It's a perfect parallel because you know SSO has is pretty well known, and and really in the case of the phone passcode, that is the SSO for everything on the phone. The way most people do it, and that's where it's very helpful if you can uh, have some a little bit of segmentation there, like you mentioned. So that maybe the email app is has a separate hurdle to get in because that is such a critical um, a critical area because every single account can be compromised typically with email because a lot of times email is a backup um, where sometimes even MFA is not even sometimes email is the the MFA or the second factor so. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really critical mm-hmm. to have that email in the phone. So that would be an example of SSO where you really maybe don't want that in the phone to have your your biometrics, which is really the proxy for the passcode, have access to everything on the phone. You need to really think strategically there.
0: Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, doing like a completely separate out-of-band sms method so not using sms that went to the phone so if the phone itself was compromised then um the bad guys would not be able to just simply receive the sms and in it in effect uh, reset all of your passwords or gain access you know surreptitiously or you know whatever those factors were right
1: in. right so the you know the the industry has been really pushing, and rightly so, you know, second factor authentication. And in many cases, um, the bare minimum you can do is your email is one, and as you mentioned, a code to your to your cell phone. So if that's all you've got available for an important account, um, and really all all accounts are important in some some way, usually, then you know if it's coming over, you know, the the cellular network, whether it's you know, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T. And if, if your phone did get compromised, lost, stolen, what have, what have you, um, it's nice that um, if you could have that be out of band in some way. So so one way to do that if you're a large company is to get in with a, a VoIP provider like a Twilio that you could have an out of band. So the codes are coming to you know avoid it's not really coming to your phone essentially but it's it's coming in a different way it's still it's still a typical code you know six digit code whatever it is that you normally receive but it's just simply not coming to your your sim card it's going elsewhere on a smaller scale there are some apps that are available one one example is my sudo where that's really a, bun- a bundler for twilio it's it's would be more for your personal use or a smaller business and that can receive sms codes as well and so now if your your phone number is you know you lose your phone number you lose your phone you can you with the with things of that nature you could have backups so another that gets into another area which is if if they offer an authenticator, such as a Google Authenticator, Microsoft, or Authy, like we discussed last time. So maybe that's a backup as well. Um, and maybe if you have email and you have the authenticator, maybe you don't have to use SMS at all, which is probably the weakest it, form yeah. of, of second yeah. factor. So Maybe you can get away from the SMS entirely, but now you have to deal with how am I going to back up my authenticator codes? And that's a whole nother discussion.
0: I really like the out-of-band SMS because I think that, I mean, you know, I mean, first off, I hate, just for the record, I hate SMS as part of two-factor authentication because it is so weak. But if you have, you know, there's too many systems where, That's the only option that you have, and they just don't have a a better option. So you're better to use that than nothing. I would always opt for not using the cell phone SMS if if possible. And the reason is because the world can pretty easily figure out what your cell phone number is. So correct. You know, you, you look up uh, what, you know, people finder stuff and um, background searches and all kinds of things. On the other hand, if you go get a, as you had articulated, a basically a VoIP-based SMS solution, uh, which which I will say is is a ruddy pain at this point in time because of 10DLC it is actually possible to do though but you have to go through 10 DLC registration it's almost like the know your customer banking regulations at least though in the context of like a business they could go through that whole 10 DLC pain and it yes. is very painful but then they could have x number of you know whatever numbers that they they want to have
1: and, More private numbers as well as having backup numbers. A lot of the account, the, the various um, software will let you have multiple phone numbers. And so you could have multiple there as well.
0: Well, it, I think it also enhances just business continuity. I mean, it's not this isn't just <clears throat> purely a security discussion, but it's also a business continuity discussion in that if I'm going to set up an account to get to like the Wisconsin Department of Revenue, And let's say the Wisconsin Department of Revenue really only allows an organization to have a single user account. So you can't have a situation where you have, you know, five accounting people and everybody has their own login ID to that resource. Then, in that context, you end up needing to use like a company provided password manager and put those credentials in a shared vault space. But then you have the whole but then you have the mfa problem is what i'm saying if you can do the totp then great you know you have that in your company password manager but that company sms that's a voip-based sms that is like perhaps assigned to that particular department that is infinitely better than this whole baloney of oh well this one accounting person who set up that account they used their personal or their you know, company cell phone, SMS, and then that person's either unavailable or they're out of the office and nobody can log into the account.
1: No question. And another great option besides you mentioned, I mentioned the MySudo with Twilio being a packager for Twilio. Another one is is Google Voice, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's another major VoIP provider and you can lock down that account very well with UB keys and what have you. So now you've got an account that multiple Uh, managers or or employees can access the same number you know to get their mfa codes there just need to make sure it's locked down
0: yeah i think the google voice thing is um i'm i'm less i'm less prone to recommend that and the reason that i'm less prone to recommend that is because even setting up So, if you're going to do it on the personal side, I really have less of an issue with that. You know, if somebody wants to just use Google Voice for their out of band SMS, uh, I got no problem with that because they probably have a Gmail account, anyways. And they, you know, Google goes through the whole realm of, again, the know your customer regulations. So they will not activate that Google Voice unless it is tied to your personal cell phone sms and they literally do validation on it so <clears throat> i have right. tested this where i've tried to give google and i've tried the same thing with microsoft and you know apple and other providers really uh, where you give them a non individual right a non individual cell phone number uh, or a, a a an sms enabled number and when i say non individual the thing that these providers are looking for when they're trying to engage in the whole know your customer stuff there's some sort of an interrogation that they're doing and they seem to know what phone numbers are well oh, this is a verizon wireless phone number that's associated with a cell phone and then the and then verizon has an address right? A physical address on file associated with that cell phone number. So from their perspective, that is the know your customer. In the case where you go and get a VoIP SMS number, the vast majority of times they'll be like, no, poop on you. You know, we literally are not even going to send the SMS there. I will say that Google Voice is good as a recipient, For you know, receiving those TOTP codes, like it's very, very good on that. It it still it still requires you though to tie it to an individual cell phone, which is why I don't think it's that great from a business perspective. I've spent probably 200 hours on this exact topic in terms of dev testing, and it's it's gone over a period of like two years because the landscape and this whole mess has changed quite a bit. Like voip sms used to work just fine hunky-dory and then oh, you know regulations came around because there were so many bad guys spoofing texts and doing evil things with sms that then congress basically leaned on on you know everybody that does phone numbers and then 10 dlc came out and then the voip providers were trying to scramble and catch up and they're like No, can we get 10 DLC to work? I mean, I literally had a situation with two different 10 DLC registrations that took over a year to do. It was ridiculous. And then they still didn't work after that. Um, After that whole debacle, I actually managed to find one provider that could take a phone number and could SMS enable it, and it would actually work as good as a cell phone number in terms of being compatible with receiving the SMS messages from these providers like Apple and Microsoft and Google that just will not send the SMS. And they don't send it. It's not that it's not delivered to you. Their systems look up that number and it interrogates it and it says, is that a VoIP number? Right. Oh, it's a VoIP number? Forget it. We're not going to send to it. We will
1: not send to it. Yep. There are some challenges there for sure. Usually if you... Set it up initially on a on a S- Verizon number, say, or or T-Mobile, AT and T. Then once you have it set up, you can remove remove those and set up um, authenticators and other email methods. And so, it is a little challenging, but hopefully, as as you've mentioned, the passkeys maybe will will provide some, you know, some help here because the passkeys are a very simple form of MFA, but And this has been discussed a lot, I know, but maybe that will create some of its own challenges as well.
0: Well, I mean, I really feel like a lot of a big portion of the solution is to just stop with the SMS. Right. Um, You know, I I still am shocked by you look at Synology as a provider, for example, their baseline MFA is it's going to send you an email. Well, that's accomplished nothing. Because yes. at the point in time somebody actually has your username and password, I guarantee you they've got your email. <laughs> okay. So so that is the MFA method has accomplished nothing. <laughs> okay.
1: Yes, and then they, email's a very weak one.
0: Right. They have another, Synology has, they, they did another complete, I love Synology, right? But they did another completely boneheaded move with another alternate MFA and they're like, hey, we're super cool. We're going to come up with our own Synology MFA app. So it's like, you know, it's like Charles Schwab, right? You know, Schwab has got to have their own stupid app for, you know, MFA. <laughs> so, right. You know, they don't. And 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 then the worst part about the Synology app was they released it and it didn't work. And, and unfortunately, I, I have to say that I think that that's fairly typical for a lot of syn- Synology technology is they release it before it's really ready for prime time after it's been out for a while. It's pretty darned rock solid. You know, I mean, they make good stuff, but they launch way too early. So I, I would like to see SMS just go away in, in terms of any level of multi-factor authentication. Oh, um, on this topic, I, I learned something this week that I thought was absolutely fascinating was that now uh, there was a, I don't remember what court, I think it was a circuit court. I think it was a federal circuit court. That uh, did a ruling and effectively said that phone numbers, even if they're business phone numbers, phone numbers that are registered into the do not call registry shall be honored as if they are personal consumer numbers. So, what this means is now people can take their business phone numbers and register them into the do not call registry.
1: Good news. I think I, the I, intent I, yeah, with, um, that's very good news because businesses are just bombarded with, with dumb calls. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> but what do you think? I think that that was the intent of passkeys, which Apple, Microsoft, and Google are all behind and, and promoting and, and more and more companies are jumping on it every day. And I think the intent there is, is to hopefully get rid of SMS as a second factor eventually. What's your thoughts on the past keys
0: I, I feel like there is a bit of uh, an uncertainty and complexity gap with it, that people are inherently going to be very uncomfortable adopting it. It's like They were really just starting to come around to the concept that like, yeah, we're going to have TOTP codes on everything. You know, we're going to actually do multi-factor authentication. I thought it was great that Microsoft recently came out and said, yeah, all of you people that have refused to sign up for Microsoft Authenticator and use push notifications for the last, you know, since... 2014 or earlier. (laughs) No, those of you that have persisted on using SMS as your um, multi-factor authentication is uh, you can't do that anymore. And what Microsoft with M365 they did was that uh, everybody who was using SMS each time you authenticate now to portal.office.com it's like, hey, hey time for you to onboard to your authenticator. And and I know from a business perspective, I'm no longer having to have conversations with people about the necessity of MFA. So it's like the world has finally evolved to that level. And we still struggle with people who are using what I'm going to call dead horse business tactics in terms of much of the technology that they've got, you know, or like, you know, trying to pry that you know dead technology from their cold hands right and yes and and so to then i mean most of these people are not using yubi keys yet and so then to get to the whole passkey thing i think until they see really some very rich and uh, mature commentary and analysis on it they're going to be exceptionally hesitant to adopt it yes
1: and it's been implemented in so many different ways I've I've tested it on, you know, Amazon, Best Buy, Hyatt, Uber, they're all doing it differently. I I love it when they'll allow you to use a, a UB key as your way to get into the account. That's great. Some of them are just letting you use your device, which whether it's a phone or your laptop, and now there is no second factor. You've just it's you've permanently authorized that computer or laptop as or or phone as the way, as getting you into the account with no password or anything. So there there are different ways to implement it, and it looks like it's going to take a while to shake out.
0: Yeah. Well, we've talked ourselves out of time. I think we might have to do part three. So, hey, thank you for your time, as always.
1: Thanks, Felicia.